0: Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and across from me is your co-host, Ben. So, Ben, what is new in your nation
1: this week? Um, wrapping up a fellowship program called the Fol- Colson Fellowship Program. Pretty excited about that, wrapping up. Um, I'm excited about the the whole program. Um, it's designed to help develop a public theology. That was like the the, really what I was... Kind of wanting to do at the end of this which is like a, a public theology is a theology for um cultural like basically for our our cultural moment um to be able to speak biblically and truthfully uh concerning the issues issues of our day so that's that's wrapping up now and i'm in my last month just completing my last assignments for that so i'm i'm excited for that um yeah to be over but also you know as the program
0: yeah that's really cool And i think it's very relevant to be able to look biblically mm-hmm. at modern issues that are really relevant to
1: everyone in culture, but specifically to younger people that you interact with a lot. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And helps with my, my own family, my kids, you know, to, to understand their world better.
0: Yeah, well, in my nation this week, we dealt with the loss of another pet. So <laughs> Cluck Norris, one of our chickens, passed away. Uh, this one wasn't as hard. It wasn't one of the more beloved Chickens. It was, it was actually my chicken. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I handled that. Okay. (laughs) But my children were, they were pretty bummed, but it wasn't as difficult as their chickens that were their very own, that they picked out and named. Yeah. And it may help that we have baby chicks that we're raising up right now to take some of the edge off of that. Yeah. But still navigating, this is real. Loss happens and that loss points to the need for a savior, that the world is messed up. Death should hurt it should make us feel bad, and that bad feeling should point us to the fact that we need someone to fix that. So there's even a gospel message in Mm -hmm. the loss of a pet.
1: Now, i got to ask the question, though, was was Cluck Norris a female?
0: Yeah, so we didn't know for sure when we got the chickens. Cluck (laughs) Norris was a female, but she was a boss chicken. So (laughs) Cluck Norris twice ate a mouse, like a chicken, just like, kicked this mouse Picked it up with her beak and ate it. And Cluck Norris also ate a snake one time. I actually witnessed this happen. So, like, Cluck Norris, I feel like, Mm. kind of lived up to her namesake.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. She had a mean roundhouse.
0: Xena, maybe.
1: Oh, yeah. Could have been a good one. Well,
0: my next chicken, my new chicken in the baby chicks is named Chris Hensworth. So, (laughs) yeah, I try to keep a celebrity theme going. But maybe next iteration, so round three might be Xena. Got it. Warrior princess. All right, well, let's move on. So let's get to the verse of the week. And the verse of the week this week is in Proverbs chapter 18. So that's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22. And Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor
1: from the Lord. So Ben, I wanted to see what thoughts you had today on that. Yeah, um, I mean, I I do love my wife, and I see her as as a as a blessing from the Lord. And if if she was not in my life, I do I do think my life would have taken um, de- definitely a different turn. In my testimony, uh, when I tell it, she's a, she played a huge part in that in, in my even returning to to Christ. So, um, you know, I, I I see her as a as as one who is who's blessed by God with wisdom and can speak truth into my life and encouragement into my life when, when, whenever I need it. So yeah, I've experienced that for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good thoughts. That's pretty much my mm. testimony as well is I feel like the person who pushed me the most to grow mm. early in the relationship mm-hmm. was my wife mm-hmm. because there's that difficult time period, I feel like, for males where they have this chance to move into manhood because I, th- I really think fundamentally there's a difference between someone who is a biological male and someone who is a man, mm. because there is a status that comes with a man, and in my mind, a man is someone who takes on the mantle of manhood and lives up to the call of a biblical man. And so they're responsible, they take care of themselves, they take care of their families, they're not lazy, they lead, they're not passive. And so that transition from being just a biological male who happened to be married to a man and a man of God. Yeah, I feel like my, my wife really spurred me
1: on to that. Yeah, it's like, she, it's like she wanted me to be the one she could depend on. I think I'm saying that correctly. I, mm-hmm. think, and, and, and I, I think it's very important that we notice that she wanted someone specific Mm-hmm. to be the man she could depend on, which is interesting, you know, she loves me, you know, initially that's like the describing like our early relationship where she fell, you know, in love with me and was attracted, you know, to me in that way, but she wanted me to be dependable, responsible, uh, be able to be the, the, the man for her and for our future family, uh, which is, that is the difference right there. Right. Um, because you can just fall in love with a male, um, as a woman or a female as a, you know, um, but the, ma- the, the female is looking for that kind of like depend dependability or, you know, solid, you know, nature yeah. character.
0: Yeah. So like as, as a man, you mm-hmm. can fall in love with a woman as a woman, you can fall in love with a man and not necessarily, or at least feel infatuated, yes. feel attraction yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to, and not necessarily have them be who you need them to be. Yeah. We see this all the yeah. time, which we'll get into a yeah. little bit when we get further into the show. Yeah, it's but, cool our wives yeah.
1: had that sharpening effect though, like on us.
0: Absolutely, almost a refining yeah, effect. Yeah, So let's take this a little further and get into the topic for today. And the topic for today is leading your wife. So there's a, a saying among married males today, and it's nothing new, but I've heard it for a couple of decades. At the very least, the saying is happy wife, happy life. Mm. And as a fundamental and literal statement, There is a fragment of truth to this statement, but the connotation of this statement is far beyond the literal words. It's far beyond what they say. The connotation of the statement is that you'd better do what your wife says, or you'll be miserable. And similarly, there's a phrase, if mama ain't happy, then nobody's happy. And it's the same connotation here, where you should do what your wife wants you to do, or your family and you will be miserable. And this isn't exclusive to just secular circles. That's where I hear it a lot, but it's not exclusive to that. This is something I also frequently hear, quite frankly, in churches uh, among churched men or churched males. And it's something I hear preached by pastors from the pulpit. And it's preached under the guise of loving your wife. And just look at how society portrays the husband-wife relationship, right? That's the ideal happy wife, happy life. And the husband is portrayed as dumb. We've talked about this before with TV Dad. But if you look at any entertainment, the husband is a bumbling idiot. The wife knows everything. She knows he's gonna screw up. He's gonna be stupid and she's gonna fix it. And the husband goes through life making all these mistakes and then he realizes the wife is right. And if I just would have lived by happy life, your happy wife, happy life, everything would have been better. That's how society portrays this relationship. But then really look at the data. How is this working out? Look at the divorce rate, right? Happy wife, happy life. So do what your wife tells you to husband and you'll be happy because she'll be happy. But are the husband and the wife in that relationship really happy? Well, the divorce rate takes exception to that. The divorce rate in America is extremely high. Like if you look at divorce rate in America from like 1900 to today, like pre 1900, the divorce rate in America was somewhere around 2% percent. The divorce rate today is exponentially higher than that. Like if you look at first marriage divorce rate versus overall marriage, overall marriage divorce rate is somewhere like in the 40s, like 45% of all marriages in America end in divorce. It bounces up to almost 50 mm-hmm, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, and look at marriage rates. People are getting married in lower numbers in America today, and they're getting married later in life. And there are several reasons for that. But I think one of the reasons for that is... They see the failure of marriage because people are living not according to God's standard, but they're living according to the world standard of well, happy wife, happy life. I just wanted to see what you thought mm-hmm. about that first before we mm-hmm. moved on further in the show.
1: Yeah, you you definitely see it like a, this this disillusionment um, of marriage in in our society today, and it's and when and I gotta just say like whenever I hear that, um, happy wife, hap, happy life. It is just so, just terribly unappealing to me. Like if I if if I was not married and I heard that phrase, I I would I would not want to be married. You know because it's like I'm not I don't want I don't want to be a slave. You know like I don't want to you know um, that's not what I'm uh, what, you know what what my my hopes and dreams are. You know of you know and finding a spouse and then just you know doing everything she says. That's just it, there's something not right about it. You know with me it doesn't sit well with me. And maybe we're, we're going to unpack that just a little bit soon, but but it's not a surprise then that you know that people don't want to get married today, if they've seen marriage done poorly, and that's their experience with it. You know, culturally, you know, as a society, they see it not not done well. Then yeah, it makes sense that people are going to either wait or not get married at all, just opt you know to be single for the rest of their lives. Um, but that's interesting. What if we could show something different? Yeah, Mm. exactly, which is
0: where we're going next with this, Mm. is showing the biblical model. So Mm -hmm. what is the biblical God-given model for marriage? So I want to go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 25 through 28, and it says, "'Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word,' And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. So I want to look at that and see this biblical model of marriage. I've got another verse I want to look at in a minute, but that's the biblical model as husbands love your wives. But... Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I want to read one other verse here in a second, and then I'll move into more of the topic. And the other verse comes from 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 11, and it's verses 3 and onward. It's going to be a bit of a lengthy passage for the show, but just hang with me here because there's a point to this. And this is on head coverings, but there's a principle behind head coverings, and that principle is headship. So let's go here, 11-3 in 1 Corinthians. Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. And every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is just as though her head were shaved. So I'm going to stop there. That's, I think, enough of the passage to to get a feel for this. There is a headship or an authority that we see. We as husbands, are in headship or are in authority over our wives, and Christ is in authority over us. So that's the biblical model. The biblical model is Christ over man, man over wife. And there's a hierarchy there. And by the way, we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Now, does Christ do whatever the church wants? Is in the the bride of Christ, the wife of Christ, the church is the bride of Christ. Is it happy wife, happy life? Like whatever the church says Christ would do No, that's entirely unbiblical. It says that we should love our wives as Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her to cleanse her, right? Christ leads the church into holiness. He loves us too much to leave us where we're at and to let us do what we want to do. He leads the church into holiness, and he suffered for his church to do that. And that's the call of marriage That's the example we're given as husbands. What churches often preach, though, is that husbands should do what their wives want because that is loving. But that's not the model we see here. The model isn't, hey, do what your wife says. The model is, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Call them on to holiness and lead them on to holiness as Christ did for you. So I wanted to hear what your thoughts were on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot on there are a lot of thoughts that I have right now, Brian, and it's gonna be. I'm gonna do my best not to just spaghetti this, but um, but I think you know we're, the wording there absolutely matters. Headship, you know, as Christ is the head of the church, you know, that that matters, and so it's like if we care about that headship, then we're gonna care about the picture of that headship. Is marriage right? I mean, mm-hmm. that so we so we are going to you know a- attempt to model this if we are indeed citizens of the kingdom of god like if we are uh, to pursue you know christ's likeness um and his righteousness before all other things then we're gonna we're gonna care about that statement right there so and i think that the church has got it wrong here and i and i think maybe it's the progressive church that's that's probably doing this that who has kind of built their you know their seemingly that built their doctrine based on the the idea of the—and this is, is, you know, just because they're influenced by post-modernity um, in this way, but the, the personal relationship with Christ so that it's all on our ter- it's It's on my terms, right, my relationship with, with Jesus. It's about my personal uh, encounter with Him, inviting Him in, rather than what Jesus says throughout the Gospels, the kingdom of heaven is near, is at hand. This is His kingdom. We enter it on his terms. You know what I mean? And that there's headship there, you know? And so it's like that, that's kind of like the that's even that's foundational, I think, in in your in your whole approach to life. Like we are citizens of his kingdom, invited by him to be those citizens, so that he is the king. We are to resemble him. We are to obey him. That's the model of the Christian family, right? And so we are to We're to present that, we're to model that, we're to, you know, imitate that. That's a, imitate
0: I think is a great word, where we're an image of that to our family. Yeah. So I want to point out as we keep tracking with this, I think the mindset of happy wife, happy life is indicative of man's original sin in Genesis three, if, Amen. if you look at man's original sin, you know, when, when I first was growing up learning about Adam and Eve, I never knew this, I didn't realize this. Someone said this to me, it was in a sermon or a, a talk and like they were talking about this and I thought they were wrong. Mm. I was like, nope, no, no this, this, that's not true, it can't mm. be right. I looked at my Bible, they were right. They pointed out that in the garden of Eden, Adam was with Eve yes. when she was tempted. Mm. Right? Because the, the passage in Genesis 3, it talks about Eve and the snake going back and forth. And it says that Eve saw that it was pleasing to the eye, right? That, that it was Lust good for eyes. food. Yeah. yeah. So she sees it. She's like, oh, that, that fruit looks good. And she sees that it's good for food. She takes it. She knows she's doing wrong. She eats it. And then it says, and then she gave some to the man who was mm-hmm. with her. Mm-hmm. So I want you to think about this. Adam is, he's there. He's there. He's watching this whole thing go down. And he's passive he doesn't say anything he doesn't raise a hand he doesn't fight the snake off he doesn't chase the snake away he doesn't rebuke his wife and say what are you doing we can't do this that's against god's law right he doesn't correct her he doesn't rebuke the snake he just sits there and then his wife gives him the fruit and he complies he does he happy wife happy life and to me That's the original Mm. sin there, Mm. is that passivity, especially in that marital relationship. Mm. We see Adam's passivity in that marital relationship leads to the downfall of man and the entrance of sin Mm. into the world. The curse on the earth, the curse on mankind, it all comes through, I mean, I hate to say it, but it seems to me like happy wife, happy life. And maybe Mm. there's more going on, but at the end of the day, he's passive, he doesn't lead his wife, and mankind falls.
1: That's interesting because, I mean, and I even think of, let's go further, let's go into the curse. He doesn't lead in repentance, right? I'm sorry would be the thing, <laughs> the thing to say, you know, um, and take responsibility for your... He doesn't, he deflects, you know, it's hers, it's her problem. And it actually got it to your problem, you know, it's like, oh man. But then like you see in the curse, that same language that uh, that, that is used uh, in, in this chapter will be used for Cain... In his relationship uh, with sin, that is like the curse on the relationship between male and female. the the man uh, the man will um, rule over uh, the woman, and her desire will be for the man. Mm-hmm. And that same word, that desire, is is used with within the, the Cain story, Cain and Abel story. Whenever God warns Cain, sin has the desire to for you. To roll over you, don't let it master you. You know, and that same word, desire, is that that rolling over, master. You know, mastering um, the, the. You know, another, and so that that same word is the the, the curse. Uh, of the relationship between the, the the man the the husband and the wife that she will want the mastery she will want to roll and dominate as sin wanted to dominate Cain uh, that's the curse you know so it gets yeah. worse <laughs> it it
0: does and I think it makes the the challenge of leading one's wife yeah. harder so let's look at the practicality of that then so we're called to lead we're called to headship we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church we're called to be head over her so what does that mm. look like what's the biblical model because I think you and I have both rejected the societal model, mm-hmm. the secular model. So Here's with the th- cursed model. Amen. Amen. Yeah, reject <laughs> the curse. Yeah. So here's what I think it looks like. Mm-hmm. Number one, submit to Christ as the husband. You have to submit to Christ. Any attempt outside of this structure of Christ is the head of man, man is the head of wife, will fail. Like if, if you look at I don't know if you've seen some of the, there's a place on the internet called the Manosphere. It's not like it's one place, but it's, it's modern men that have recognized this, but they've recognized this in a secular sense of like happy wife, happy life doesn't work. Hmm. It's men typically who have been burned through divorce. They're maybe in their thirties or their forties. Sometimes it's younger men too. They're like, what is wrong with modern women, hmm. right? But they're like, hey, men, you need to do these things but they leave Christ out of it. Hmm. And if you look at the relationship model that they promote, it's broken Hmm. because they don't submit to Christ first. So number one, you have to submit to Christ. If you are not in submission to Christ, any attempt to lead your wife is going to fail, period. Second thing I think is lead yourself first. How can you lead someone else if you can't lead yourself? Just fundamentally. So are you sleeping in? When you say you're going to get up, who's winning there that disciplined self, the man or the male, right? The flesh, the spirit who's winning there. Are you sleeping in when you shouldn't be? Do you start things like uh, to your wife? You're like, I'm all in on this. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get into the outdoor lifestyle. And then two days later, you're like, I'm done. Uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to start rollerblading every day. Two days later, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you start, stop, start, stop. How's she going to follow your lead? If she sees you never follow through on anything, right? Are you irresponsible? Do you procrastinate? Like super simple things. Does she have to tell you to take the garbage out? Hmm. Does she have to tell you to do your chores around the house that are your responsibilities as a man? How can you lead your wife if she's gotta lead you to lead yourself, right? Not just on a respect side, which I think it's huge, but fundamentally, if you can't even get yourself to do something, how can you get anyone else to do anything? So submit to Christ, lead yourself. And number 3 is have a plan or a direction. It's hard to lead if you have nowhere to take her. And you know, personally, this is just something I live by, but even if it's if it's financially, if it's spiritually, if it's career-wise, whatever it is, I try to have an opinion on pretty much anything. Because you know, your wife will ask you, "What do you think about this? What do you think we should do here?" And if you're like, "I don't know, what do you think we should do?" and she's like, "I don't know, what do you think we should do?" and you're like, "I don't know, what do you think we should do?" You're not leading right you're being passive so have an opinion if you don't have one like let me think about that and get back to you with a plan because it's important for me to be included in this so have a plan or a direction because you can't lead without a plan or a direction so let's move in now to the fourth thing that you can do and this is i think one of the harder things and that is do what you think is right even if she pushes back or i wrote down maybe punishes you a little bit and maybe it might not seem intentionally on her end of punishment, but on our end as guys, it may seem like that. So if you take the lead on an issue that maybe you disagree on, and I want to say in my marriage, I've been married, it'll be 17 years this summer. I can think of maybe five times in 17 years where we've been on different sides of an issue that I thought was essential enough for me to say, we are moving forward and I am taking you with me. You're my wife. We're a family. This is the direction we're going, whether you think it is right or not. And again, in 17 years, five times maybe at the most. But when I have had to do that in those times where she is opposed and she's like, I don't think this is the right call. And I'm like, I think it is. And I think it is morally or ethically essential to do this. The hard part is that you have to deal with the falling out. There is going to be tension. There is going to be a falling out if you lead in a direction that she isn't ready for or thinks is not the right direction. And you're convinced after prayer, after submitting yourself to Christ and after prayer and after discussing it with her, you're convinced this is still the right way. There's going to be some falling out. She may give you the cold shoulder, may not talk to you for a few days or may be upset. You may have to deal with feeling isolated feeling lonely, questioning whether you made the right call. But if you hold the line and you are convinced again, after prayer, after discussion, that this is essential for your family, she's going to eventually come around and she's going to appreciate that you held the line, that you cared enough about her and enough about the family to hold the line on an issue that was that essential. So you're the head of the family, and you're the head of the family, not just when it's comfortable. If you can't take some pushback from your wife, how are you going to take pushback from anyone else that you lead? So to me, this is, again, the most difficult because really who likes to be uncomfortable? Who likes pushback? Who likes tension? Who likes conflict in a relationship? But there are going to be times when those things exist. And the important thing is, if you're convinced it's right, don't bend on it. The truth doesn't change. Right and wrong don't change. And the right spiritual direction or whatever direction you're taking, if there's an ethical point of this, the right direction is the right direction, whether she's ready for that or not. And if it is the right direction, she is going to come around. But you have to lead through that difficult patch. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that in your marriage. I know, like I said, I've had about five, but I wanna give you the floor for a minute.
1: Yeah, well, and I think that, well, I think just to kind of build off of that, I think it it has to come from a place because I, I think you know a lot of people could hear oh you know arrogance and pride, but it's just like no, it comes from deep, deeply rooted love and care. It's it's not apathetic like this is this is extremely careful in, in that that is it's filled with love for her, and I think that like if we you know if if we just say this alone and we miss. Um, what maybe comes before. Like, I, I was thinking, you know, the whole time you're saying this, I, I know you and I know that, like, that you love your wife, you know? I, I mean, like, and that you sacrifice for her. And so it's like, I think we need to recognize this one major thing, this fact that more than she's a wife to me, she's a daughter of God. And if she's a daughter of God, that is, you know, that is that is going to be how I treat her and honor her matters to, to Jesus. So, um, and I think that like, you know, if I honor him in my treatment or I dishonor him in my treatment of her. So I think that like being that she is a daughter of God, we're stewards, um, we're covenant members. We're in a covenant relationship with God and with each other. So I think that like that comes before all of this. Um, So she knows that, that that is something that is you know is is going to be what drives and motivates you. Um, that is going to be something that she she can she can find you know as she finds rest in Him. She can f- kind of find that kind of security um, and peace, knowing that you're not trying to take you're not trying to take the family in a way that you know is going to um going to lead to her pain. Like you're you're trying to lead in a way that leads her and the family to a place of 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 real flourishing, right? And joy. That's what we're, we're kind of cultivating that, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why submission to Christ is so important. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I I was going to save this for the end, but maybe I'll just repeat it at the end that as husbands, we are ultimately going to be answerable to Christ for the way we led our wives. Think about that. Someday we are going to die and we will see Jesus face to face. And we will be accountable for the way in which we led or didn't lead mm. our wives. So that's why on, on these issues here, we have to submit to Christ. And if we are going in a direction we're convinced is correct, it's not out of spite. It's not out of just willfulness in and of itself, but it's out of love. Like you said, we're loving our wives and our families as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. And we're leading through Christ in a way that would lead our family to be more like Christ. So that's the caveat there in that. But I wanted to hit one more thing, and the parable of the talents is what came to mind here. The idea of faithfully leading, because if it is a major issue and you're playing the happy wife, happy life game, and you're afraid of conflict, you're afraid of upsetting the apple cart. Well, in the parable of the talents, one of the stewards was afraid of losing the master's money. So he dug a hole and he hit it and the master came back and he's like i was afraid of you and i was afraid to lose your money so i didn't do anything with it so that person that steward of the money was rebuked and was very sharply rebuked he's like you knew this about me you knew i wanted more out of this and you didn't do anything with it you've been an unfaithful steward of what i've given you now the steward that took the risk There were two of them. The one that took the biggest risk, right? He gave the most to it first and made the most multiplication of the talents. He gave that extra talent to. And he said, you've been faithful with a little. Now I'll make you ruler over much, right? So we are a steward over this relationship and Christ is expecting us to be a faithful steward and a faithful leader. And that means at times leading when it is difficult and doing the challenging thing of leading through and successfully navigating that conflict when there is disagreement and doing so in a Christ-like manner, not giving in where you think the moral or the ethical decision is the direction you want to go. All right, next point, number five, initiate. Another way to lead your wife, initiate. So if she's always suggesting things she's always saying we should do this we should do that we should start devotions we should come up with a budget we should come up with a finance plan we should eat more healthily we should exercise more if she's always the one initiating you're not leading so as a leader you need to initiate and the important thing here is that everyone is most fulfilled in our relationships when our relationships follow god's plan so If we're not initiating, we're not leading. And if we're not leading, we're failing. Okay. And another point is include. And I'm just going to be straight up. I am not always good at this. Including your wife in the process. So I'm going to tell you a story, Ben. So we on our homestead have goats. And I want to tell you how we got the goats. So one day we're driving home from my brother in law's pool. And we see this farm every time. They've got chickens and goats. Well, we had chickens. And my son's like, we should get goats my wife says, I'd be okay with goats. So I'm like, it is game on. We get home, I'm excited. I'm like, she said she's okay with goats, let's go. I get home, park the car, get out of the car. I start looking up goat places. I'm like, where can I buy a goat, all right? So I find the name of a farm. I find the name of two farms. I find the name of three farms. And I'm like, I'm calling. Right, like right then I'm like, she said, she's okay with goats. Let's go. So I'm calling places. I'm like, Hey, do you have any goats? No, we're out of goats. So I call another person. Do you have any goats? No, we're out of goats. But you should call this person. I call that person. No, we're out of goats, but you should call this person. I call that person. They've got lots of goats. And I'm like, okay, I found us some goats. I know where they're at. This is the price. I have a plan. I can build this goat barn. I, I'm going to buy fencing. I'm gonna do, and my wife's like, whoa, 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 whoa what are you doing? And I was like, well, we're getting goats. You said you're okay with goats. She's like, we haven't even talked about it yet. And I was like, yes, we did. We talked in the car. And I quote, I would be okay with goats. And she's like, well, yes, I'm okay with goats. But like, we need a plan. And I'm like, I've got a plan. She's like, no, but we need to talk about the plan. And I'm like, what is there to talk about? You said you'd be okay with goats. Let's get goats. And so that actually ended up being a, a point of contention because I went ahead, the kids were excited. They're like, daddy said we're getting goats. Right? And I was like, well, daddy didn't say, mommy said. And she's like, no, I said I'd be okay with it. Right, In her mind, goats were three months down the road. Mm. In my mind, goats were three days down the road. I was like, can we go today? Can we get these goats now? And so... It actually, like, for I would say for three or four days, we had some serious conversations about this. She's like, you didn't include me in the process. And I was like, I did. You said we, <laughs> we, we can get goats. And she's like, I didn't say we could get goats. I said I'd be okay with it. And I was like, that's the same thing. And she's like, no, it's not. So women tend to feel more than they think through logically and yes, she may have logically thought I'm okay with goats, but she didn't feel like I included her in the process. I didn't talk through it with her. I didn't include her in like looking at farms. i didn't include her in the did and say, Hey, like, where, like, where do you think we should have the goat barn? Where do you think the fencing should be? So like, she felt like I just took it and ran and that I made a decision without her. So moral of the story, learn from my mistake, talk through things with her so that she feels like she's part of the process and this may take longer than you think. Like I thought I'm okay with goats was it, it was over, but it, it took longer. So I don't know if you have an example of
1: that or not. I mean, probably every day I have an example of that. Um, but I'm, I can't stop thinking about some of the things that, that I've, that I know are true. And I think if they, if I practice them better and perfectly, like, I think it would lead to more, to to better. I mean, more peaceful times when when contention or you know when disagreement comes. I think that if I remembered some of my things, you had a list, and I feel like I, I should share my list. Do it, yeah. Please I, do. I, so, like, just very quickly, I the, the, my approach. I am not a perfect man, and so I. And that's the thing. Like, I when when I think about this, like, I'm confronted with my own failures. But I will say, my my approach is to 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 being a husband and to being a fathers being a shepherd leader and i think like the shepherd leader and that i took this from uh, richard Phillips' book the masculine mandate and it's it's been just a phenomenal book it's a, bo- a book i i reference all the time um when i'm thinking about these things but shepherd leader what does a shepherd do with the flock that guards Protects, nourishes, cultivates—you know—make sure the sheep are healthy and thriving. Um, but you know, when a wolf comes, kills a wolf. You know, like I mean, the, the shepherd um, is also well. There's a biblical word for the shepherd, right? It's pastor. So, the, so we're the pastors of our of our family. You know, um, and so when I think of it, um, of being a you know being a leader, um, it's going to be. Like pastoral in 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 a lot of the things that we do, we're nourishing uh, healthy spiritual growth in our families, and I think that again, if we take that approach, recognizing um, that this is what we've been called to, I think that yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna shy away from disagree. We are gonna have disagreements. We're gonna you know we're but we're gonna bring them to the table, and we're going to have discussions. And yeah, I mean like we trying to stay calm in our discussions, trying not to lose our heads, but, you know, and take the pride out. And that's all, that's all very difficult work to do. But, but I think, you know, if, if, we, if we start there um, with, that, um, with that mindset that we're shepherds and that we're, we're for um, the, the nourishment and the, and, and the protection of our families, I think that is going to be a good, a good approach. But I think that um, before, you know, before you even have conversations, you know, with, um, with your wife, I, th- I feel like we should be daily, daily praying for her. You know, I mean, like, and that's something that we, I don't know why it's so easily neglected, but I'm just like, pray, pray for your wife because she, she really, you, you are a pastor and you're concerned with her spiritual growth and her spiritual nourishment. And um, if you don't, then do you really love her? You know, and it's like, so that's something that, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm growing in still, but, um, but then encourage them. Not through guilt, you know. Um, I'm I'm terrible at that because I'm like, you know, I'll sit down and I open the Word and I'm like, hey, did you read the Word today? <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's, that's not something that she she's always ready to hear. But 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 in love, you know, um, which comes out of reverence for Christ, like uh, like what was referenced uh, earlier in the you know in, in this episode. Have biblical conversations. Um, when life gets busy, it's not that's not always an easy thing to do. That's that's I mean that's something that's neglected. But discuss the Bible. What you're learning. What you're studying? Uh, discuss the intersection of Christ and culture. Crazy world we live in. We're Christians, and it's difficult to navigate. So discuss those questions. You know um, that are that are good for for each other and good for your children. And challenges, struggles, spiritual battles. Talk about that. Fight them together. Those are those are things that um, th- th- that we've done at our at our best. And uh, you know, and, and there there is there's growth and, and then and growth uh, for for love of each other in, in that as well. What I think that you know she ought to see in us as a source of strength and encouragement? One who points ultimately to the well—that uh, is Christ. A practical thing, I think. You know, pay attention to her. Make sure First uh, 1 Peter first 1, uh, 1 Peter three seven. Show her honor. You know, I mean, does she know that we value her and honor her? And I think that if all of these things, if we do all these things, and practice these things, I, I do think that that leadership or um, or that. Or that that strife in, you know, uh, in, in these ways, I think will, I think, not that it will go away perfectly. I don't think it will because we all have, you know, sin struggles and, and pride is, is, is the thing. So, but I think that it'll help us, you know, navigate those waters when when they're a bit rough. But those are my, that's my two cents in, in all of this. Um, just something that I was thinking about just a little bit, but but yeah, yeah thanks for let me. Yeah, that's great. Those, those are good points.
0: <laughs> and I think that what we're seeing here is that we're a fallen man redeemed mm. by Christ mm-hmm. leading a fallen woman redeemed by Christ yeah. right so we have to take that into account as well as we're leading that neither of us are perfect in this yeah. relationship but it is a big responsibility like i think the the accountability we have to Christ to lead in this marriage, it's a huge weighty responsibility mm-hmm. that I think a lot of times we don't, as husbands really think about. Yeah. And I think it would make the task more joyous, quite frankly, if we did think about like, I'm not just leading this family to lead this family. Like I, I like to lead. Yeah, I love right. leading, but I think that it's even more fulfilling. I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm doing yeah. it for Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had two last points that I, I wanted to touch on and Then I'd like to give you one more chance to kind of give your feedback. I really mm-hmm. liked that list you just shared, by the way. So one is if you haven't been leading, let's say you're a husband and you're like, you know what? I really struggle with leading. I struggle with passivity in the relationship. And you're like, I'm convinced I'm ready to start. I've heard the list. I'm going to try these things. I'm just going to be straight with you. Get ready for some serious pushback. Get ready for some serious pushback. If you haven't been leading, she's been leading because she's had to, right? She's been bearing that responsibility for you and that transfer of that responsibility is not going to come easily. She may not trust that you're going to lead. She may have doubts. And don't be upset about the fact that she has doubts. Think about like, where do those doubts come from? Be honest with yourself, right? I had to navigate this in my life where I wasn't the best leader as a husband early on in the marriage. And that transfer and that transformation that happened in me, it wasn't always comfortable because you know, she had some doubts as to where I was going as a leader and as to whether or not I even had the ability to lead because I hadn't demonstrated it very well. So there's going to be pushback and just prayerfully hold the line. Don't tell her what you're going to do. Just show her what you're going to do and just navigate that pushback with as much grace as is humanly possible. So persevere, and it will get better. It will. Over time, you will both be happier in a relationship that is functioning according to God's plan. And the second thing, and I I think this is really important, and I just think it's not talked about, and so I'm going to say it, and you may disagree, and I'm fine with that. I'd actually like to hear. I'm just going to say, do not share your doubts and fears about your leadership with your wife while you're leading. So, I want you to imagine a scenario where you're going to have open heart surgery and your doctor is like, you know what, man, I, I am just, I'm really not sure I can do this. I, I have some serious doubts that I'm going to be able to save you on the table. I think you might die. You know, uh, how do you feel about the surgery? Can you sign this waiver? Can you sign? are, are you okay? Like you look a little stressed. Why do you feel stressed? You're assuming the mantle of leadership. That is your burden to bear. Bring it to a brother in Christ. Bring it to a friend, bring it to a mentor. And you might be like, Hey, listen, this is hard or I've had some challenges, that's fine. But if you go on laboriously about how hard it is to lead in the marriage and how overwhelmed you are with the role of leadership, she's gonna feel about the same way you would feel with your surgeon telling you he thinks he's gonna lose you on the table, right? So it's okay to have those fears. It's okay to have those doubts. Take them to someone else because all you're telling her is, you have reason to doubt me. So if you wanna briefly share, hey, I'm having a hard time but i'm telling you do not unload all day about how hard leading is your role is to assume that on your shoulders and bear that burden so just gonna pass that along and hear what you have to say about that because no. i think you might disagree
1: no i i do like that so, so i mean like we, we have a my wife and i have a very close friendship and it, it'd be it'd be very easy to like to constantly complain um you know because like life doesn't go the way you want it to go all the time. So, but I, I mean, I think I I see wisdom in that because I find whenever you know whenever I do um, complain if if it's you know if it's something about you know something going on at work or something like that um, whenever I I get into you know a, a time of of a real struggle and like of stress and I and I let that out too much it doesn't help like it it doesn't like so it's like. I, th- I was reading a devotional one time. Um, oh, who was it? I can't remember his name. But he had this little phrase. He was like, you know what a man does? A man says, I got it. Like, I got it. You Amen. know, and it's just Amen. like... Amen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. And it's <laughs> like, and that is, you know, and, and that's something that I, I think that, you know, that applies here. It's like, you know, we make our decisions and, you know, and, and we make the best decision that we can and we and we we take responsibility. And I think that that's, that's a good thing that your wife will notice and your wife, I think, will... Will like like that and, mm-hmm. and and appreciate that, yeah. But man, I am not perfect at that. Like I, you know, I'm still I'm still growing in that way. So and I think that you know if that is a desire that that we'll be sanctified, and and I think it'll I think it'll get better if we keep pursuing Christ in this in this way, in our masculinity, in our leadership, because I think that you know I think that he he took things to God like all the time, you know. <laughs> but he mm-hmm. but he wasn't necessarily taking them to the disciples, you know. Um, he would share he'd, he'd share with them, but it wasn't like it wasn't a, a total just like revelation of everything, you know, it was like he, he did keep things uh, so, and things I think rightfully so are, are kept from us um, right now. You know, he doesn't um, he withholds himself, I think, you know, from us sometimes. And I, and I think that like, you know, that not that we're supposed to be closed off, but I do believe that, that there, our wife doesn't need to, the in our kids, they don't need to see everything, right? To know that dad's, you know, struggling or the husband is, you know, um, is struggling. It's not a great mystery to them. Pray for dad, you know, encourage dad, make things easier for him. But dad doesn't have to like just unload on the family. Um, I think it's, I, I do think that would be poor leadership.
0: It, yeah. I, I think to me, it falls under the protection aspect. Like mm-hmm. you're to be a protector it, and you're shielding them from that burden that you're yeah. carrying. You could see dad all emotional and, you know, or, or like if you have to unload on like, here's all the stressful things I'm dealing with at work or whatever, yeah. like, well, how was work? Well, you know, it was a tough day at work, Yeah. but if you laboriously pour out all the stress, like all the things that you dislike. Yeah, you, about, yeah. Yeah. But like our role as a protector, we're to shield them from that. I don't want my kids to experience the stress I experience sometimes. I don't want my wife to have to live that. Yeah. Right. That's my role as the leader and the protector. I, right. I bear that and I shield them from that. It's like
1: protecting our garden exactly yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. and here's the comforting thing in all of this if we are submitting to christ then this is ultimately all in his hands all the growth that we're going through the conflict we're going to have to navigate the the challenge of leading a family which i I think you know it excites excites me Hmm. it it does excite me that i have the leadership opportunity and it's in his hands so if i'm submitting to christ the outcome is ultimately in
1: his hands brian but that if it's not that cripples me. That's the thing. Like that, I'm like, I, I am going to fail at this, if, mm-hmm. except for that, because Christ has, has got me. I can, you know, and it's like, and, and all of us can, you know, if Christ is there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oof. Yeah. So I think that's of a, a great comfort and it should be of great comfort, but mm-hmm. I just want to encourage you, all you men out there, you know, if you're not married yet, and you're hoping to get married someday, really pray about this Mm -hmm. and pray about God preparing you for leadership already. Men, if you're married and you're like, "Ah, I'm really struggling to lead my wife, submit to Christ, Mm -hmm. number one, submit to Christ. And then everything else will fall in place as you do that. But take the initiative, be proactive, have an opinion and guide the family in that direction, spiritually, financially, physically, whatever it is, but lead, don't be passive. So- really appreciate you all listening. I just want to thank you for listening. And if you have questions, comments, send them to us at info at headofnations.com. You can check out the website, headofnations.com. Feel free to share the podcast with others. Leave a review if you'd like to help beef up our standings in the algorithm there. And I just want to remind us all, including myself, that we are the head of our nation. So let's go live like it. Until next time.